If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. We'll read a very familiar scripture to you this morning. I'm going to continue with our sermon series that we've been doing concerning living in the land of giants. We're going to defeat some more giants today in our life. Amen. How many knows that God is able to defeat those giants? How many knows that God is with you to help you, aid in you, with you, to help you defeat those giants in your life today that tries to overcome? Amen. Joshua chapter 5, look with me, verse number 13. Joshua 5, verse number 13. The Bible says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us? Are you for our adversaries? Another translation says, Are you for us? Are you against us? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so, <coughs> defeating the giants in our life. Several of you will, will know about this guy that I'm t- fixing to talk about by the name of Alvin C. York. How many remembers this guy? Matter of fact, over in Tennessee, this guy came from, he was just a little country guy. And he became one of the most famous soldiers of World War I. When, when York felt that his Christian faith uh, stopped him or borrowed him from killing uh, someone, even in the war, after being drafted, he went home. <coughs> Some of you that saw that movie, you, you, you remember seeing that. He went home, and he was on a 10-day leave, and considered the scriptures. He read the scriptures, and uh, because a Christian captain had shared with him. And so finally, in this crisis of faith, God showed Alvin C. York that he could obey God and defend the hopeless in Europe at the same time. And he wrote in, his, in some of her writings, and he said, As I prayed there alone, I know that he was there. He understood that, that he didn't want to be a fighter or a killing man. He took pity on me and gave me the assurance that I needed. And it was his will, and that was enough for me. Now, don't you remember that? That was his will, and that was enough for me. So Sergeant York here had to win the war in his own heart before he could fight the battles that lay ahead of him in the trenches of France. Don't you remember that story as we get ready to preach this morning? In Joshua, this very familiar scripture, I believe with all my heart that Joshua had an even greater battle that he had to fight even than Alvin York. He had a giant called Jericho to face. But first, he had to win the war in his own heart. He had to take care of some things in his own heart. There were two things here that had to happen for Joshua to win the war before even the battle began. The first thing is this. Excuse me, just a second. I got a scratch in my throat and it will not go away. He had to win this battle in his own heart. And so the first thing that Joshua observed was a visible battle that lay ahead of him. He first had to look at the visible battle. The city was named Jericho. It was a walled city. Matter of fact, the Bible speaks about that the walls towered from six to eight stories high. There were several yards thick in this this walled city. It was a great armed city where, where there, were, there were people there that was warlike people. They didn't mind fighting. I mean, these were, these were the fiercest dudes of the land of that day, if you will. 
And they didn't mind going outside of the city walls or even fighting with inside of the city walls. And what Joshua saw with his eyes was a giant that was huge. It was a giant that, that he didn't feel like that he could overcome. It was a giant that was just really big in his life. And he had to observe that. He had to, he had to face that. And it was one thing to, to face and go and fight that battle. You've heard the old saying, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, right? We've, we've all heard that, and that may be true. But for Joshua, the first thing, Sister Ruth, he had to fight, he had to fight this battle on the inside. Am I able to overcome this city? Am I, is my troops enough? You know, do, they, do they have enough training? Do they, do they have enough ability in it to overcome what this city is laying ahead of us? You see, because here's the thing. Every one of us has some kind of visible giant in our life. Matter of fact, some of you sitting under the sound of my voice, you can call the giant in your life right now. If we used to give opportunity for everybody to stand up and testify, you would stand up and say, hey, this is the giant in my life, and that's the giant, and, and I can see this giant, and it's there, and it's huge, and I don't know how to overcome it. So every one of us has a visible giant in our life. It could be sickness. It could be attitudes of the heart. It could be people who simply just simply will not change. It could be family issues. It could be many other things. So whatever the giant is for you, it's real for you. It's real for you. See, it may be nothing for me, but for you, it is real. The giants in my life may be nothing for you, but for me, it's a visible giant that I'm having to overcome every day in my life. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh. It was a giant in his life. We don't know what that thorn in the flesh was, but he prayed three times, Lord, take this thing away. Take this, this thorn out of my side. But the Lord wanted him to understand something that's so valuable for you and I today. The Lord wanted him to understand, hey, Paul, I want you to understand, even though you have to understand and feel and experience the thorn in your flesh, I am bigger than the thorn in your flesh, and I will help you overcome and get tomorrow. And can I tell you today, whatever the giant is in your life. You may have to live with it and you may have to fight with it, but the God that you serve is more than able to sustain you and to keep you going. Amen. But not only that, he's able to destroy the giant in your life. Amen. But as great as the visible giant of Jericho was, that was not the real problem in Joshua's life. It was that invisible battle that he had to fight. Every one of us has fought that. He had to fight that invisible battle in his own heart. That was the challenge. You see, Joshua needed to get a handle on several things in order to win that invisible war in his life. First of all, he had to overcome the challenge of past failures. Let me, let me see a show of hands. How many of you have ever failed in your life before? Okay, that's most of you. Some of you have been perfect your whole life. He had some past failures. Joshua brought to that moment, it was brought to him the moment of all of his past experiences. He had to remember against the miserable failure of Numbers chapter 14 when Israel refused to follow him and Caleb into the promised land. That was a miserable failure. We went over there and we spied out the land. We brought back grapes. We brought back this magnificent report. And even though we understood God was more than able, he was going to sustain us, he was going to help us to go over and defeat that, that walled city and that people, we were going to possess the land. There were other people in that in that in that uh, that that party that went that says, "No, no, we can't take it. The grapes is big, the giants is there, the land is good." Nevertheless, we're like grasshoppers in their sight, and we cannot overcome. They'll squash us like a bug. In other words, and so for forty years. 
They wandered around. And so he had to remember those things. He had to remember wandering around for 40 years. Joshua then had to wait for 40 years to defeat the giant simply because of the failures of other people. In both of those cases, past failures must have been haunted them as they faced the, the present giant of the day. You see, you've got to understand, church, that our failures in the past have to be given over to the Lord or they will cripple us in the present today. We can't do nothing about the past. I don't care what mistakes you've made in the past. You cannot go back and undo those mistakes. The only thing you can do is put your face toward the Lord Jesus Christ and just keep marching forward. Just keep moving forward. I can't do nothing in the past, but God said, I'll forgive you. If you just surrender unto me, I'll wipe your past away. Hallelujah. That shout words right there. Because he's not going to hold any of those things against me. When I stand before him, he's not going to hold my past if I'm born again today. Amen. If I've surrendered my life over to the Lord, when I stand before him, he's not even going to remember all of those past failures, those past sin, those past things, because I'm totally committed unto the Father today. Amen. And so Joshua had to understand this. And so Paul here even gave us a formula for dealing with past failures. If you look in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, you'll find, you'll realize that nobody escapes failure of some kind. Nobody, no one escapes this failure. Matter of fact, the scripture says in verse 12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected. In other words, I'm going to leave the past where it is. In verse 13, it says, forgetting those things which are behind. I'm going to press toward. I'm going to focus on the things that I can do something about, that the Lord can do something about. I'm going to forget those things which are behind, and I'm going to reach forward to those things which are ahead. What's ahead of me? Victory's ahead of me. What's ahead of me? Jesus is ahead of me. What's ahead of me? That place that he's prepared for me is ahead of me. I've got nothing left there in the past. Now, this is not in my notes, but let me stop here long enough to just tell you something. If you've left the past, then leave it there. If you've come out of a, an addiction, then leave it there. I was talking to a young man last night in the Hispanic ministry, and he was sharing with me, or, or someone was sharing with me that he got in the wreck. Brother Ricardo, I think is his name. He had got in a wreck and he had flipped his vehicle and he was in the med for two or three days simply because of drinking. And I looked at him and I said, no more drinking. He said, no. Because what he had to understand when God has touched his life and when God has forgiven him, he cannot go back to the alcohol. He can't go back to the stuff that's crippling him. Hello, somebody. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because God has delivered you from drugs. He's delivered you from alcohol. He has set you free and he's helped you to walk on the straight and narrow way. Do not go backwards. Hallelujah. Don't go back there. You already know what that life is like. You already know what it's done for you. You already know that it's about killed you. It's destroyed you. It's destroyed your family. That was free. That's a giant in your life. Destroy the giant, amen. 
And the scripture says, forget those things which are behind, but look toward, press toward, focus on those things that you can do something about. Reach forward to the things which are ahead. You've got to see that Joshua, he had to overcome some preconceived notions and ideas in his mind of how the battle should be fought. He was a soldier. He was a war man. He understood what fighting was all about. And in his mind, he had already a preconceived, this is what we're going to do. I mean, he laid out the plan, but God said, I don't want you to do that. This is something else I want you to do. Joshua was not going to be able to fight this enemy with his own understanding of simply how to fight. So many of us today, hear me today, so many of us would get into trouble because we want to, we want to, we want to fight this walled city in our own way. Well, I know what to do. I'm going to write a letter to that person. I'm going to blast them out on paper. Let me see how they feel about it then. I know what I'll do when they call, I won't respond. I know what I'll do when they speak to me. I won't, I'll just turn my head. And we have all, now I'm just, just little examples here. But there's so many things in our own life of, of ways that we can fight this battle. We can defeat the giant. But God said, that's not what I want you to do. Did not Peter say, they'll know us by our love for one another. They'll know us because you're going to go out. You're not going to retaliate on things. They're going to know us by our love, talking to the disciples. And they went out and they shared the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Joshua had to understand it was not by might, it's not by power, but it's by God's Spirit, says the Lord. And I can tell you this morning, just as sure as I know, you can't do nothing to overcome the enemy in your life. It's simply trust in God Almighty and allow Him to take you where you need to go. Amen. It's not going to be by your strength. It's not going to be. And Joshua's going to have to learn in Joshua 6 and 1 and 5, I'm going to have to do things God's way. So many of us approach the issues of life with our own ingenuity. And it's hard to remember that. That proverb says, there's a way that seems right unto man. But to the end is what? Is death. I know how. This is what I'm going to do. But it's not going to work out. Okay, if that didn't work out, I'll, I'll go over here on this vein. And I, Sister Christine, I, I'll do it this way. But we find out that ain't going to work. And then we have to move over to the other side. But we find out that that's not going to work. And we move over here. We keep on trying and trying and trying. And here's an idea. Why don't you stop and let God take over? That's a pretty smart idea, I think. I didn't even go to school to learn that. Some of it was just learned by the hard ways of life. You know what I'm talking about. You learn the hard way. Just let God take over. You know, I like the old song, give up and let Jesus, how many knows that? Take over. Sing it. Oh, give up, give up. And let Jesus, let Jesus take over. We're together. Over. Oh, give up, give up. Some of you, you got to get the rhythm right. And let Jesus take over, for he'll make a way for you. And that is true. He will make a way for you. But what you've got to do is let go and let God have his way. You've got to let go and get out of the way and let God have his way. Amen. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Hallelujah. God often, boy, many times, he, he has to remind us that his ways are not like our ways. He reminds us so often. His thoughts are not your thoughts. Amen. God probably has a different way of handling the giants in your life 
more so than you can even imagine on your own. Well, God, I think you'll do it this way. God says, no, I'm not going to do it that way. You've got to understand, along with past failures and preconceived ideas, Joshua had to put aside personal attitudes. See, because here's the thing. Joshua could have developed a pretty bad attitude over this 40-year this thing. I mean, you think about this guy. Him and Caleb went over to the land, Sister Jeanette, and they spied out the land. They come back with a good report. I mean, they're ready to go. I mean, they're ready. I mean, these are 40-year-old guys. I mean, they're, I mean, they're ready to go and defeat this, this enemy. They're ready to conquer this land that God has given them. And they believe by faith that God is going to give it to them. But because of the others, they had to wander around for 40 years. And so he could have, Brother Parker, developed some bad attitudes. I know I probably would have. Because who, who's to say you're supposed to go? I mean, you didn't even want to go 40 years ago. 40 years ago. Scripture says all of those died in the wilderness. They wandered around. And their offspring come up. And they're the ones that actually went over. But Joshua could have, could have developed some of these, these bad attitude things. And he had done everything that God told him to. And still ended up with a bunch of complainers and a bunch of doubters. For 40 years in the wilderness, he simply needed to make sure that his attitude was not tainted by a lot of those things in the past. And can I tell you this morning, if you're going to get an answer from the Lord. And if you expect God to knock some giants down in your life, you're going to have to let go of some stuff that happened happened in the past. It's not doing you no good. Matter of fact, the person that you're mad at, they're sleeping good every night. They ain't got no problem sleeping. They ain't got no problem getting up every morning and going to work. They don't even think a thing about it. But you have been hindered by it for 40 years. Come on, church. You know I'm telling you the truth. But we'll let little things like that hinder us. And we'll develop those attitudes in our life. And we simply miss God. And we simply have to face the giant every day. And now we've done it so long that it's just a normal thing. We get up every morning and we wash our face and we brush our hair. And we step outside and there that old giant is in our life. Simply because we failed to let it go somewhere in the past. God is telling us one more time. Let it go and move forward in the future so I can do things to you. Did not the Spirit say last Sunday to us through tongues that interpretation, I've spoken to you in the past, but yet your ears has been closed and I still speak today and yet some of your ears are still closed today. Hey, open the ears up. Let God speak through your heart today. Let victory come in your life today. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting this morning. We spend too much time talking about our problems. Hmm. We need to make sure our attitude is not tainted by those things. This, this, this life that we're living is not some pie in the sky where we stick our heads in the sand and deny all the problems that even exist. There's problems in our land today. Hello? There's problems in our churches today. There's problems in, in church and denominations all across America today. I want to tell you, our morals are, are just messed up today in America. We're going to have some things that we've got to face over the next few years. I promise you, church, that you and I will have to make some decisions, even in this church, because of based on what others feel like. Hello. But I'll tell you, there's one thing we cannot do. We better not go against the Word of God. We better stand firm on this word. We better not back up. We better not shut up. We better not close our eyes to what thus saith the word of God says. Amen. No matter if we have to shut the doors and hide out in a house somewhere. Pastor, do you really think it'll get that bad? I don't know. But I'll tell you, there's some places that are having to go underground. 
Hello. And worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Paul here gives us in, in Philippians chapter 4. He gives us four things here to remember when it comes to our attitude. Here's, here, here's the first thing. Philippians 4 and 4 and 5 says we, we, we've got to rejoice in the Lord. In other words, we've got to praise. We first have to praise. Now, I don't have time to, to deal with this this morning, but let me, let me just tell you something. I don't have time as your pastor. And I don't mean this in a bad way. But I don't have time this morning as your pastor on a Sunday morning to get up here behind this pulpit and say, how do you feel today? Do you feel like worshiping God? Is it okay if we worship today? Is it all right with you? Hello? I'm just being honest with you. I ain't, got, I ain't got time to come up in here and say, hey, I know you had a tough week last week, but, and I know you got some bad news, but is it all right? If, if, are you going to get your feelings hurt if we worship God today? Mm-mm. I believe my Bible tells me that in the good times, i got to praise his name. In the bad times, i gotta, I got to still praise his name. In all things, I still can lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I ain't got time to get your permission about worshiping God. And you don't have time to come into the house on Sunday mornings and just say, well, I don't feel like it today. I'm down. I'm out. I'm tired. I'm still going to worship the Lord. (laughs) Oh, that's good preaching right there. So we're to praise the Lord. We're to praise the Lord. You know, here's the thing. The Lord doesn't tell us to enjoy our problems. He tells us to rejoice in the Lord in the midst of our problems. To enjoy the Lord in the midst of our problems. Secondly, we're told to pray and tell God about everything in our life in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. It didn't tell us to pray and then go put it on Facebook. It did tell us to pray and call up our best gossip person and talk about him. It did tell us to pray and then go to a back room somewhere with somebody and just let it all hang out. Hmm. Pastor, I really wanted you to pray, preach something this morning that make me feel good. Oh, I am, if you'll just listen to me. I'm preaching something that'll deliver you if you'll just listen and, and, and listen to what I'm saying. Because you won't be bound by all the stuff and the junk that the enemy wants you to be bound with. God didn't tell you that. He said, pray and tell God. Pray and tell God about it. There's some things you ain't got to tell me. There's some things I ain't got to tell you. But I do need to tell God about because he has the answer for every question I may have today. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't care how hard it is. I've got to pray. I've got to tell God everything in our life. The third thing is this. You are reminded in Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 to to, to let God's peace rule your hearts and your mind. Let the peace of God come and overshadow you. Let the peace of God overtake you. It's not, you don't have to worry about the giant. You ain't got to worry about the problem. It's the peace of God that passes all understanding. How are you standing, pastor? It's the peace of God. How are you making it through, brother and sister? It's the peace of God. How are you going to get through this trial? It's the peace of God. How are you going to get through this heartache? It's the peace of God. How are you going to get through this death? It's the peace of God. How are you going to get through this life, this tragedy that took place in your life that seems to come out from nowhere? It's the peace of God. And I let the peace of God take control over my life and let it rule in my life. I didn't say, I did not say that we didn't have to walk through it. Come on. But there's the key. We're going to walk through it. We're going to walk through it. Yea, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Another message in itself. The rod and the staff, 
you comfort me. Let God's peace rule your hearts and your minds. I, there's so much I could say right here that I don't have time to say. But we're, 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 we're so overcome, we don't even realize. I can't remember who I, I was talking to somebody last week. And I told him this, I said, we don't even realize the culture of the day, how, how much it is soaked into our life, everyday life, that we're, that we're so used to anymore. It doesn't mean anything to us anymore. I'm talking about society. I'm talking about television. I'm talking about culture, morals, those things that we've just allowed over the years just to, just to we soaked it up and we don't even realize that we even feel that way anymore. We justify everything. We say God is a God of love, so it must be okay. No, it's not. No, it's not. Sin is still sin. Sin will still send you to hell. Hallelujah. And if you're in sin today, you need to get right before you leave this house. You need to make heaven your home. Amen. The Lord is coming. The fourth and finally thing is this. Philippians 4, 8 says we are to practice a conscience thinking on the things of God. Hmm. Man, if I, if, I, if, I, if I think on the things of God, I ain't got time to worry about gossiping. I ain't even preaching about gospel. And I don't know why that's coming out so much today. <laughs> if I think on the things of God, Brother Keith, I ain't got time to, to allow fear to overtake me because I know that in him perfect love cast out all fear. Hallelujah. I ain't got time. If I think on the things of God and what God tells me in his word, Sister Jeanette, I know there ain't no weapon that's going to be formed against me that's going to prosper. The devil may want to take me out, but God said I'm hanging with you. Hallelujah. The devil comes in, tries to destroy my family. But God said, I'll build it back together. I'll put love back in your heart. I'll put peace back in your heart and in your soul. Oh, yeah. We've got to realize and understand, church, that we've got to let God take control of our life. We've got to let him take control of our life. We've got to let him take control of our life. And like Joshua, every one of us faced visible giants. But also like Joshua, we got, we got to face a daily war within our hearts. And, and we win the war over our past, our ideas, our attitudes. We become ready to fight the battles that lay before us. But how do we win that war, Pastor, before the battle begins? And the answer lies in the, in the person Joshua met that day. That scripture that we read in Joshua 5 verse 13. Joshua needed to be open. Everybody say open. He needed to be open to the person. That was standing in front of him. He had to be open to that. He needed to see God rather than his problem. He had to see that captain. Joshua needed to get a proper perspective of the battle. He was seeing things from his own viewpoint. He was seeing things from his own perspective. And all he could think of was are you for us or are you against us? Are you for us or against us? See we can learn a lot from that right there. We, we, we spend too much time talking about our problems, as I said earlier, and not nearly enough time looking for the solution for the problem. And Joshua, Joshua had to get this stuff off of his mind. He had to get this stuff off of his adversaries, and, and he had to get his mind on the, on the commander of the, of the army of the Lord in verse 14. He had to look at that. See, this commander here is a, is a, is a, is a type of Jesus from the Old Testament. And there are four reasons here this had to be Christ. This had to be the captain of the commander of the army. If you look at Exodus chapter 3 and 5, this captain spoke the exact same words that God spoke to Moses in Exodus when he says, take your sandals off because the place you're standing is in holy ground. Same thing. He spoke the same thing to Joshua. Hey, the place you're standing is holy ground. Take your sandals off. 
In Revelation 22 and 8, we have to understand that he allowed himself to be worshipped, this commander. Joshua, did not the Bible say that Joshua fell down? He fell down and began to worship this commander of the army. And he allowed himself to be worshipped. Understand this, angels will not allow you to worship them. Because they understand who the king is. They understand who God is. They understand who the Lord is. And this commander of the army, he came before Joshua. And Joshua said, hey, are you for us? Are you against us? I'm the commander of the Lord's army. And Joshua knelt down and began to worship this commander. The third thing is this. In, in, in Revelations, in, in chapter 6, verse 2, he was also identified as Lord in, in, in verse 2. Simply because in John 1 and 18, he says we can only see God in the person of Jesus Christ because it says no one has seen God at any time. This only begotten Son who is the bosom of the Father, he has declared him as God, as the commander, as the captain of the army. Can I stop here long enough and tell you, church, at Pathway, God and the Lord Jesus Christ is the captain of your house today. He needs to be the captain. Whatever giant you're facing today, let the Lord defeat the giant in your life quit hiding in the sand quit hiding behind a room somewhere quit hiding behind the door somewhere go out and face him because it's not you that's going to fight the battle the Lord says I'll fight it for you I'll fight it for you amen Christ is the captain of God's army the captain of our salvation Hebrews 2 and 10 he has promised that he will always be with us in Matthew 28 and 20 he has promised that he'll never leave us like orphans, but would be with us according to John 14 and 18. Revelation 1 through Revelation 3 tells you and I that Christ walks, walks among his churches. The greatest need for you and I facing the challenges of life is simply an awareness of the reality of God's presence in our lives today. God, I've got to just acknowledge you are here. I've got to realize you're walking with me. I've got to realize you're by my side. I've got to realize you're walking with me. There's nothing I'm going to face, but you're God, you're going to be there with me. You're the commander. And if you're the commander, then I've got to listen to those in charge, right? I've got to listen to the commander. Musicians, if you will, come. It is our daily and growing awareness of the presence of, of Christ, presence of the Lord, that prevents us from giving up, that prevents us from moving forward toward the goal that the Lord has set for us according to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse, verse 4 through 1, or uh, verse 17, I'm sorry. Here, here's the thing you and I have got to do, church. Now listen. If you've missed everything else, then get this right here. Once you and I are open to the person of God, once we're open to understanding who the Lord is in our life, see, because I, I'm, I'm under the full opinion sometimes that even in our churches today, we've not really grasped, Brother Parker, who God really is in our life yet. We know him to be God. We understand that. We talk about that. We, we preach that kind of stuff all the time. But when it gets right down to everyday things in our life and, and, and making decisions in our walk with him, I, I really I wonder sometimes if we even realize that God is with us all the time. Here's, here's why. Because, Sister Ruth, we go ahead and make decisions as if God's not even there. We, we do things as, as if God's not with us and, and he's there. We go to those places that we should not go, but we don't even realize that God is, is not there with us. We think, you know, he's just, he just hangs out at church on Sunday mornings. And that's where we're going to go and we're going to meet him. But God's with you everywhere. God knows everywhere you go. 
you ain't got to have me to get on to you on Sunday mornings and, and ask you to ask forgiveness. Look, God is with you everywhere. He's with you everywhere. And here's the, here's the problem. If, if you're not convicted about some of the things that you do, then you're in bad shape. You're in bad shape. Because I promise you, if you're, if you're walking with God and you do some things that you know is, is, is going against the Scripture, conviction is going to overtake your heart. Conviction will overtake you. I remember as a kid, I, I was brought up in church, but I remember, Brother Sam, as a kid, when, when I would do something, it probably wasn't that bad, but it was, to me it was bad. And I remember Dad preaching. I remember grabbing hold of the back of the pew, and, and it was just, I was squeezed. I didn't want to go down to the altar because everybody going to know what I'd done. Because I was going to ask, have to ask forgiveness. At least I thought. But I had to ask forgiveness from God, not everybody else. And there were times that conviction just, just overtook me. You've heard me tell the old story that I laugh at every time I think about this. And I, I promise you probably had nothing to do. But in my heart, Sister Marilyn, it, it, it meant something to me. Back in the 70s, when, guy, when, when, when uh, boys and men would wear the pants with buttons up the fly. I got me one of them pair of pants and I thought that was the coolest things. It was a pair of tan corduroy pants with buttons up the fly. But as soon as I put them on, I got sick. Stomach, my stomach just started bothering me. I got sick, man. And I thought, it's because of them button-up britches. I said, I got to get rid of these pants. These pants are against God's, you know, how he wants me to dress. God likes zippers. He don't like buttons. And I laugh at that just like you're laughing when I think about that. But in my heart... Listen, as a, as a young guy, in my heart, I thought, this is serious. I'm going to be sent to hell over these corduroy britches with buttons up the fly. And I went to my grandmother, who I called Granny. And I said, Granny, I need a favor. I want you to take these pants, and I want you to take these buttons off, and I want you to put me a zipper in them. And she did that, and you know I got well. Praise the Lord. I have never owned another pair of pants that had buttons on it, even to this day. Now, here's the point. Here's the point. Now, I know. I know it has nothing to do with my salvation. I, I know that now. But in my little heart, my little childlike faith, you're going you're to miss it if you don't listen to me. You're going to miss it. Sister Ruth, in my little childlike faith, I had so much love for my God that I didn't want to do anything, nothing, that would come against him and me. And if it meant taking buttons off my pants, that's what I'm going to do. But so many of us, we don't even take into consideration the things that we do or the places that we go. We think that God is nowhere around. But God is. He is. And he's watching you. And he's hoping that you'll make that decision, that conviction. He's hoping that conviction will set up in your life and you come back to him and defeat the giant in your life. So you, you laugh all you want to, but I got well. I was okay. I felt a whole lot better. Now, I don't. Childlike faith in my walk with my master. We justify things now saying, this is not going to bother God. We watch things on the internet we got no business looking at. Pornography. 
we talk to other people online across the state, and because they pay a little attention to us, we think it's okay. Not so. We allow substance abuse in our life in the form of drugs and alcohol and different other things, prescription drugs even. They're giants in our life, but yet we've justified them. God said, That's, that, that, I, want to run, I, want, I want to be in charge of your life, not, not those outside forces. I want to be in charge. And once you're open to the person of God, here, here's, here's the key. When I'm finally open to him, that I'm ready to be open to the plans of God. In other words, Brother Maddox, whatever, whatever he says to do, I'm open to it. I don't have no problem because I'm, I understand who God is. And so if I understand who he is, I'm open to his plans that wherever he says to go, I'm going to go. If he wants me to go by way of this tree, then I'm going to go by way of this tree. It may not make no sense, but I'm going to go by If he wants me to go by way of Tina, I'm going to go by way of Tina. It may not make no sense, but I'm going to go. I'm going to listen. What God, if, whatever, he, whatever plan and path that he would have me to go, whatever he would have me to do, I'm open to the plan simply because I was open to the person of God. See, Joshua was not ready to hear the plan of God until he had to submit it to the person. God says, hey, Josh, I want you to march around the wall. Don't say anything. Just walk. And Joshua, he starts walking. Because he understood who God was at that point. He finally had to get to the place. He, and so he, he walked around the wall of Jericho. But not only one time, you know the story, he walked around six days. On the seventh day, God says, hey, Josh, get your boys together. And I want you to march around seven times. But when you get around that seventh time, I want you to begin to yell and I want you to begin to blow in the trumpets. I want you to begin to crash it and breaking pots and, and all, just making all kinds of noise. And he says, you're going to see the salvation of the Lord. Some of you are still in the process of walking around Jericho maybe the second time. Some of you are in the process of walking around your giant maybe the third or fourth time. And God's got you on that process and you're trying to figure things out and you're making, you're making thoughts in your head like, God, I, I'm following you but I don't see nothing happening. Nothing is changing. When's it going to change? It's okay. Just keep marching. Keep walking. Keep moving forward. Don't go back. Don't give up. You hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Because God's going to get you on that seventh day, and he's going to have you on your last leg around that wall. My Bible tells me, Sister Christine, that the walls came down. History says they didn't fall. They just, they ground opened up, just sucked them down. The flat where they were able to walk across and defeat the enemy. Boy, that's, whoo. Thank you, God, that when you take care of my problem, you're not going to knock the wall down where I'm still going to have to, you know, step over those problems. Uh-uh. He's going to take, and it's going to be level. It's going to be level. Hallelujah. Would you stand? I you to bow your heads and close your eyes real quick. No one looking around, just for a moment. I want to encourage you today to give all of your past failures. Give all of your preconceived ideas. Give all of your personal attitudes toward God. He's calling you today to be open to His person. He's calling you today to be open to His plans. Father, I've preached what I felt like you've laid on my heart today.
And no doubt, God, there's, there's people in this house today that's struggling. There's people in this house today, God, that's going through some things that some giants they're trying to face, and they're trying to face them all by themselves. Because, God, they've not yet really noticed that person of who you are. But, God, I pray today that they, can rec- that they recognize you as being that helper, as being that paraclete, as being that someone that can come alongside to give them the strength that they need to overcome. And when, they, when you're able to do that, they're able to see your plan in their life. You're able to walk with them. You're able to take them to new levels, to new heights. I don't have to be worried about the past because, God, you've taken care of the past. All I've got to do is look to you, who's the author, the finisher of my faith. And I pray you do that today. This is what I want to do this morning, church, while your head is bowed and eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I've got giants in my life. They've got to be defeated. I've got to see Jesus for who he really is in my life. And if I can see him, then I can, I can be open to his plan. If that's you, if you're lost in the house, if you're not saved, then this is you I'm talking to. If you're saved and you're born again, but you're still facing some giants and you're struggling with some stuff, I'm talking to you this morning. Or better yet, the Lord's talking to you. And he's calling you out. He's calling you out to march around the wall. I want you to get out of your seat today. I want you to come to these altars, whether you're in the balcony or whether in this main floor. And I want to take a little time to pray as they get ready to sing. God is speaking to you today. Don't, don't be afraid to come. Don't be afraid of the person that you're standing beside. Don't, don't get messed up with peer pressure because you think somebody's going to think something else. You get out of your seat and you come before the face of God and let Him deal with you today. Let Him take you today. Let Him overshadow you today. Would you come as they sing in Jesus' name?